G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. It's available right now, one shot away. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. In Growing with the Flow, we're continuing our look at the kingdom of God being accessible to us right now. And it's the answer to all the world's problems and the way for us to live fully right here on earth. Now remember, we're talking about having everything that you've always wanted. Everything you're looking for, that's what we're talking about. And we're talking about not waiting until heaven. That what's up here comes down here now. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we're continuing growing with the flow. Watching over this greatest realm, this greatest kingdom, is the greatest servant of all, the most joyful being of all, the magnificent God and Father of Jesus, who is endlessly celebrated because of his infinite self-giving love. That's this kingdom of God. That's up here. And anybody in the room that wants to walk into it can go there right now. Not something you have to wait on. But Jesus says there's a second kingdom. What is it? What would I write here? The kingdom of what? The kingdom of the earth or the world, correct? The second kingdom. And what's this kingdom like? It's a place of selfishness. It's the exact, it's the antithesis of everything in the kingdom of God. People get hurt here. Lives get damaged here. I got a call a couple of Saturdays ago, walking out of Coffee Clatch. Now, I don't spend all my time at Coffee Clatch, all right, but I'm there every morning. I'm walking out, cell phone rings. Voice on the other end says, Brother Jeff, it's Brother Ravi. How are you? And I'm thinking, man, Dane Johnson is playing a trick on me again, man. But that's a pretty good Indian accent. <laughs> I say, yeah, right. Who is this? There's a pause. Brother Jeff, this is Brother Ravi. How are you? And it dawned on me, oh my goodness, this is Ravi Zacharias. This is Ravi Zacharias. Now, you've heard me talk. How many of you heard me talk about Ravi? Know who he is? Okay. Indian apologist, brilliant mind. I said, I'm fine, Ravi. How are you? Trying to save face. And Ravi invited me to Arizona State University and to speak during Founders Weekend. That's where I've been the last four days. 10,000 university students from Arizona State came into that auditorium. 10,000. If I, the next time I hear somebody trash America, I I tell you, I think I'm going to lose it as a pastor. Come on, this is a great country. 10,000 students walked into that auditorium seeking God. That's right. Seeking God. You do that in New Zealand, you go to Europe, you're not going to find that. 10,000 free. You didn't have to be there. Six to eight weeks ago, they had uh, Richard Dawkins there to talk about the God delusion. And now I guess the university thought it would be best if they're going to hear that side of the argument. This is all we're asking for in Christendom, that they also hear the other side of the argument. 
So Ravi Zacharias International Ministries was called and he called me and asked me to come and speak at Founders Week. I'm telling you, man, I walked in that room Wednesday night and I thought, man, <laughs> I'm out of my league. But it's the same questions we've been getting for the last 20 years. Same questions I faced in New Zealand. They're no different now. 10,000 students, three hours, and they didn't leave. And you know why? Because the university students in America are searching for truth, but they're frustrated with the church because when they ask the hard questions, we say something like this. Well, when you become a believer, you'll understand it all. You think that's going to help them? It's just going to tick them off. To sit there and hear these intelligent questions and to be able to give intelligent answers and then to see them lying behind the microphone to ask their questions and the respect that they gave. I was astounded. And we kept, they kept talking about Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and these guys who were trying to debunk God, the God delusion. You know, I just kept sitting there and thinking, am I, am I, I'm sure other people are getting this. So here's Richard Dawkins who is saying that he does not believe that there's any such thing as absolute right and wrong. <laughs> then we are all free to do whatever we want. Now think about it. He says, categorically, there's no such thing as right and wrong. And then when he's confronted with this issue of Jesus and of God and the existence of God, his response is, I don't believe in God because there's too much evil in the world. Now wait just a doggone minute. I'm from the South. I'm a country boy, but I can tell you this. You can't have one without the other. If there's no God, there's no morality. So you can't accuse God of not believing in him because of all the evil in the world. But I sit there and you think about why do you take this position? The answer is selfishness. That's all it is. I want to do what I want to do and I want to rule my kingdom and I don't want anybody else telling me there's another kingdom, even if it's good. But here's the irony in it. And here's what I'm going to confront you with. All of us today, you've heard me stand up here numerous times and I just go right over it and you get all glossy eyed. I know. I talk about the fact that when God gives you a moral law, he doesn't do it because he wants to be the big, bad, cosmic boss. He does it because he loves you like a father gives the rules and regulations and restrictions to a son to protect him. God says you live within these boundaries, you're going to have the abundant life. You get outside of them, it's going to go bad. It's going to go south pretty quickly. Isn't it ironic? But then I started thinking, wait a minute, I better be careful of saying anything about Richard Dawkins until I first examine my own life. Do you know why? Because I may say I believe in God, but there are seasons of my life I live like a practical atheist. I say I believe in God, but do I really? I mean, come on. Do I really trust that what Jesus said is true? And if I do, I'm building my house on the rock and not the sand, right? Because I know there's no way there's anybody in here that doesn't pray continually. Because that's what Jesus said to do. And it would give you life. And I know there's no one in here that doesn't forgive instantly. As soon as somebody offends you, you just automatically forgive. Because that, that, that brings life. And if you don't do it, it sucks the life right out of you. So I know that since we're all believers in God and His way that we're praying and we're forgiving and we're serving one another because ultimately service does bring life into somebody else's life. And I know that, we're, that there's no one in here pursuing the temporary. Oh, that could never happen because that's a farcical life. That our main goal and our main objective in life is to pursue that which is eternal. We wouldn't dare waste our time on temporary stuff all the time. We wouldn't be possessed by the temporary because we believe in God and we believe that what he says goes. 
and we want to be in the kingdom of God. And I know that we're giving. Oh, sure, we're doing that. Because we believe what Jesus said about giving, it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over in your lap. So I know that there's a room here filled with generosity. Because we're not practical atheists, we're believers. Listen to me, and I know for certain, I know there's surely nobody in this room that somebody made a decision you didn't like, said something you didn't like, and you just harbor bitterness, and you wish the worst for them, and you just can't wait till they get what's coming. There's nobody in the room like that, right? Nobody. Because we're not practical atheists. And if you have something against your neighbor, your friend, you've gone to them, right? You've talked to them, said, I've had something, I, I need to apologize, and forgiveness have, has been the result, right? Because that's the way we are. We do what God asks us to do. This is the kingdom of the world if we don't. It's, it's, don't you get tired of reading the newspaper? I go to Coffee Clatch and I pick it up, insider trading. Doesn't that make you mad? Big salaries to executives whose companies are being bailed out by the government. And that government, by the way, that's you and me. Bomb blast in Palestine, endless cycle of terrorism and revenge. I go to Kenya and Zimbabwe this summer and I see the result of a corrupt government where there are children starving and dying every day. That's the kingdom of the world, man. That's the world. That's down here. And every time I think of what it's like or how to describe it, I remind, I'm reminded of my friend Jojo Duggar. We grew up together in this little neighborhood. We fought over everything. Same girl, same baseball bat. Same mint, everything. And the whole world today, I think you can describe by me on one end of that bat and my friend Jojo Duggar on the other just pulling, saying, no, mine, I want it. No, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. That's what this word, it's all about selfishness. It's a place of pain and disappointment as a result. Pain and disappointment where 30,000 children die every day from preventable causes. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. And Pastor Jeff is asking us to do some growing with the flow as we explore the idea of heaven coming down to earth in the form of Jesus. Now, before I get off track, listen, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I got a plan. What if I were to bring this kingdom up here, down here? I bring this kingdom here, down here. That's what I want to do. What if that were to happen? Dallas Willard calls it a divine conspiracy because you can't do it violently. You're not going to do it by force because you can't imposition or impose your will on anybody else. You cannot do it. The human heart cannot be changed by force. So Jesus says, here's my gospel. Here's the good news. Here's my plan. I'm going to bring this down here. There's a little boy in a church. Pastor got up and he said, how many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. How many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Everybody raised their hand. He keeps repeating it, but there's one little boy down here on the front row. He's not raising his hand. The pastor says, how many of you want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. He keeps looking at the kid. Better raise your hand, man. Kid won't raise his hand. Finally, three or four times, the pastor says, young man, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to go to heaven? The little boy says, well, yeah, but the way you're talking, you're loading up the bus right now. Now, here's the point. <laughs> Jesus never taught anybody to pray, God, take me out of this world. It's so bad so that I can go to that world. Do you know that? He said, no, that his task, young people, his task is to bring this, the kingdom of God, down here into your life. That you don't have to wait for heaven, that you can have it right now. In your family, in your church, in the whole sphere of your influence, in your life. And when up there, up here, comes down here, life is so good. That's what Jesus says. As a matter of fact, he told story after story. 
about how good this is. He says, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? Now remember, we're talking about having everything that you've always wanted. Everything you're looking for. That's what we're talking about. And we're talking about not waiting till heaven. That what's up here comes down here. Now. And Jesus said, to what can I compare? The kingdom of God. It's like a man who finds a buried treasure, sells everything he has. Everything. Why? Because when you find and you begin to understand, which I'm not, I don't know how many Christians walk through their entire lives and never get this, which is why we live in such disappointment, frustration, and struggle. And we're supposed to be the happiest people of the lot. When you find out what the kingdom really is, that some of you are going to find out, when you find out what that really is, you'll do anything. You'll sell everything to have it. Because the truth is, everything for which you're searching, significance, acceptance, peace, contentment, love, joy, hope, security, it's all found in the kingdom. And I know there are many of you businessmen, let me just talk to you for a minute, right here in this room, even though the economy's going downward, your business is doing well. You're still praising God, things are going amazing, but there's a part of you surely that knows, even so, there's still the void. There's still something that tells you there's got to be something more than this. Jesus tries to tell you the problem is, I want to bring this down here. That's what I want to do in your life. To what can I compare the kingdom of God? Let me try to contextualize it. Just stay with me. It's like a lotto ticket that finally pays off. Not that any of you would ever buy a lotto ticket. But if you did, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like the lotto ticket that finally pays off. It's like getting an envelope with Ed McMahon's picture on it. That says you may have already won $8 million. And you open it up and you find out you actually have won $8 million. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? To what can I compare the kingdom of God? It's like a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer who barely kept his family fed. And then one day he was shooting at some food and up from the ground came a bubbling crude. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. It's available right now. One shot away. And that God is so good to offer it now. I, hold on, I got a little lightheaded there for a minute. Here, here we go. Let me, see if I can, let me see if I can explain this in terms that I think that, that, that will kind of motivate us. When I was in New Zealand, it was about four or five weeks before Christmas, and I was trying to think about what to get my daughter to see on. Now, you, you know, like I said, a father with his daughter, you know, that's pretty, pretty precious. So I go down to the North Shore Mall, I walk into a toy store, and over in the corner is this huge stuffed, Tigger, Winnie the Pooh, Sion's favorite, favorite character, Tigger. Of course, I didn't know it at the time, but I now know. Tigger's sanguine. The most wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. Their tops are made out of rubber. Their bottoms are made out of springs. They're bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. But the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is what? I'm the only one. Sanguine. She likes Tigger. I see this stuffed Tigger at the corner. Parents, children, just adoring this thing behind a screen. Can't touch it. I got home and I thought, man, there's no way that tigger's going to still be there. I better get that thing now or that's it. I go back. I rush back to the mall. I go in and pay the astronomical price for this thing. I'm carrying it through the mall, which is, I, I think you need to see it. Just so you know, I'm not telling the truth here. I'm, I'm carrying this thing to the mall. I got it under my shoulder like this. As I'm walking out of the mall, every father's looking at me like, you dog, man, you got that tigger. <laughs> and every little girl's looking at me like, 
man, I wish you were my daddy. And I knew, I knew that I'd done the right thing. I got home. Tigger, now where do you hide something this big? I got so excited, I couldn't wait till Christmas. You know, why do you have to wait till Christmas? I wanted her to see Tigger. Look at Tigger. Tigger sleeps in her room still today, right beside Milo, the dog. He knows not to mess with Tigger. They get along fine. That's God. God says, no, I don't want to wait till heaven. I want you to have it now. You got it? I don't want to wait till you think everything's going to be fine down here. I want you to have it now. I'm going to bring this up here, down here into your life. That's what he's saying. Because the reality is for most of us, you, for most of us, you tell me this isn't how it happens. You cross the bridge. You're excited at first. Now tell me high schoolers. <laughs> Bible study, prayer, devotion life. You might even clean up your act a little bit with your language or addiction that you might have to tackle or maybe your temper. We call it the honeymoon period. It's not only the teenagers in this, it's all of us. Then something stalls. And instead of my life looking like this amazing picture described in the New Testament, I yell at my children. I'm not you high schoolers. I worry too much about money or my job. For you, it's about seeking personal significance and you want your friends to like you and you want to have money and you want everybody to just love you and you want to be popular. You start going after that thing that everybody's going to go after. You start pursuing all the wrong things. You even get jealous about people who are more successful or more attractive than you, which is the seed of gossip, malice, and slander. I use deception to get out of trouble. I pass judgment on a lot of people. I get mad if I don't get my way. And when I read the words of scripture about putting off the old man and putting on the new. There are many people in this room right now, instead of getting inspired by that, the truth is they just feel down and depressed. They feel no joy and a sense of hopelessness. In fact, if, I, if, if they're honest today, here's what they'd say. You know what, Jeff? I appreciate what you're saying, but I just feel tired because this is just one more thing I got to do I'm not doing. I know that this up here has not come down here in my life. And even though you tell me that's possible, Jeff, I'm just too tired. Because you think it's some great effort you've got to make. And so here's what we're stuck with. The gap between here and here. And we can't close it. The gap between the promised life in the Bible and my life. And here it is. And it's wide. It's a great cavern. And we don't seem to be able to cross it. This, in my opinion, is the most important question you can ask as a Christian. How can I close the gap so that the kingdom Jesus said that's up here will come down here? How can I close it to where everything I've always wanted and that for which I'm searching becomes a reality? That is the most important question I believe a Christian can ask the most important question you could ever ask, which is why I'm begging you. I'll get down on my knees if I have to, to ask you to come back next week so you can hear the answer. <laughs> Father, we are grateful for your power, for the word, for the way it opens our eyes, for the way that we know that there's got to be something more for everything that we're searching. It's like that elusive wind. We chase, we chase, but we never catch it. I pray for our high schoolers right now, for our college students, for those in this room that know 
what I am saying, Father, it just resonates so much with them. Father, I pray that you would give us a renewed passion to want to know the answer that is just as powerfully given in your word as the reality of the kingdom of God becoming a reality in our lives. That what's up there and the fact that you want to bring what's up there down here would so permeate our thinking that we would, even if we're tired and we're weary and we think we've heard it all before, I pray something very special would happen in this room over the next few minutes and over this whole week till we come back again to hear the rest of the story. And so Father, we celebrate what you have done and anticipate what you will do in Jesus' name, amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and we've been hearing how to grow with the flow, to understand how full our lives can be if we embrace the Kingdom of God in our lives right now. We'll continue this theme next time with Pastor Jeff. What if the Gospel, the good news, is that this magnificent God is present and at work every moment, in every life, in every instant of time, in every square inch of the cosmos. He's fully involved in your life every moment of the day. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.